Welcome to the Pro Photographer Journey Podcast, your resource for building the photography business of your dreams. This is Shamira Young, bringing you tips, business strategies, and interviews with award-winning photographers. We're all in this together. Let's get to the good stuff. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Emma O'Brien. Hailing from the UK, Emma moved to South Africa in 2009 and has rapidly become one of the country's most sought after dog photographers and business mentors. Now, super interesting is that Emma has built a thriving business in a difficult economy and she's keen to share her experience with us today. I am so excited. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. You know, as soon as I received your email asking to be on the show, which I really appreciate, and FYI note to the listeners, I love getting emails. If you think you'd be a great guest for this show, please send me an email at info at profotographerjourney.com. As soon as I saw your email and looked at your work, I was hooked. I was hooked because not only is your work lovely, but the fact that you have built a business in an economy that is considered struggling, I think that is really, really valuable and a testament to your your hard work and dedication. Cool. Yes, it's been an interesting journey, shall we put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I highly encourage our listeners to check out Emma's work at emmaobrien.com. You will see on the homepage currently, I'm looking at smiling dogs. And it is so, who doesn't love fuzzy animals? Okay, <laughs> let's get into this. I'm over here, such a fangirl. So Emma, one of the first things I do like to ask, just so that we can all get to know you, obviously I know a bit about you, but I want our listeners to know about you and your journey. And there's a lot that I don't know about your journey mm -hmm. to become a pro photographer. Can you give us an overview of yourself, your background, how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Sure. So I've been working professionally as a photographer since 2004. Um, I'm from the UK, so I'm British. And I had, um, I've got a daughter who's now 16. So just after she was born, um, I kind of decided that actually it was time to, to do kind of what I wanted with my life, if that makes sense, at the grand old age of 23. <laughs> um, and I've always, always had an interest in photography. So I decided like, I've got this bit of a gap because I've got this small baby. So I went off to, to college to go and study photography. And of course, back in uh, 2004, we were doing stuff in the darkroom and black and white printing. It's amazing how far we've all, we've all come <laughs> since then, isn't it? You know? <laughs> And whilst I was there, one of the other girls in the class with me said she was working for a local photography studio in the town we were in, and he needed other photographers to go out and shoot weddings. So she took me in there, introduced me to him, and off he amazingly just let me go off and start shooting weddings. Wow. So um, I'm just going just gonna to state here that these were very low-value, low-expectation weddings that I was being <laughs> let loose on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I shot a couple of weddings for him and I thought, mm, I think I can probably actually just do this myself. So I set up a business and just kind of got going, which when I, as, I'm, as I'm telling you this, it sounds ridiculous. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm nearly 40 now and you just think there is no way I would be that brazen to just kind of do something and figure it out as I'm going along. But I think that's the, the beauty of being young, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So, so yes, yeah, so then I, I built a, a wedding photography business, 
I'm mostly self-taught. I did a few workshops with um, high-end photographers in the UK just to kind of get my work tidied up and, and get a bit of direction. And then I got divorced. So that kind of killed the wedding vibe a bit for me. Hmm. And I moved to South Africa in 2009. Uh, and at that point, I decided I was actually retiring from weddings and I was just going to shoot portraits. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing since I arrived here. Um, the dog photography happened quite accidentally. I went and adopted a dog from uh, one of the local shelters here. And I said to them, hey, I'm a photographer. Can I help you with some fundraising? And before I know it, I, I shot a calendar with dogs and cats in it. And then people started asking me to go and shoot their animals. And then so the kind of pet photography side of things it has evolved from there. And it was, it, I can honestly say it was a total accident. Very happy accident, but a total accident. Well, I love, love that you mentioned how you showed up and said, hey, can I help you with fundraising? I love that you put yourself mm-hmm. out there as opposed to waiting for people to magically start coming to you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as an overnight success, which is why I love hearing about your journey of how you got started. And I'm I'm curious, I just want to touch on weddings for just a minute here Mm because I used to do weddings (laughs) as well. And Uh I made the decision not to. um, And Mm. so currently I focus on business uh, portraits, headshots, things like that, yeah. primarily over with businesses. But, you know, weddings are, they can be a beast. They can be yeah. quite a learning experience. Is there a particular lesson that you learned from weddings that um, help you with your business today? So I think what, um, aside from getting divorced, what kind of killed the weddings to me was they got a bit formulaic for me. Mm-hmm. I think if I if I knew then what I know now about running a photography business, maybe I'd have I've kind of made some different adjustments and I'd I'd have made some tweaks. But there wasn't enough kind of creative leeway, if you like, because especially shooting weddings in the UK, what would happen? Um, anyone who's been to the UK is familiar. The weather is pretty bad there, mm. even in summer. You know, you might start out with the sun shining, and then by the time you get to the reception, it's it's tipping down with rain. Mm-hmm. And often some of the venues there are quite small and dark and you'd end up with people kind of looking at you like you're going to perform a miracle. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, <laughs> you know, I actually, it frustrates me, especially if you were at a really nice venue and, you know, my kind of wedding kit was my camera and a flash gun. So I could have learned more and taken more kit with me. I could have perhaps looked at it as a kind of creative challenge to up my game rather than a restriction. But I think it got very frustrating for me that I'd be at a, you know, a really lovely venue. And if you could work outside, it would be great. But here I am crammed in this small, dark space. And I just found it really frustrating. Well, looking back, there are always things that we say we could have, should have, would have yeah. done. You know, I, yeah. I, I can look back on my own wedding experience and say, yeah, if I would have done this, it would have been a lot better. But the yeah. wonderful thing is we have a choice of what we get to shoot. That's right. And we, have, we are allowed to change directions when we want to. Yes. We are. And I think with something like a wedding, your heart has to be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's someone's special day. And if you're kind of there just to take the money, I think it's a little bit of a disservice to that client. 
because I think we do our best work when we're engaged and we're happy and we're engaged, excuse the pun, and we're happy <laughs> and, we're, and we are kind of really in the moment and, and enjoying the process of creating. Um, and I think for photography, that's one thing I've learned in my career is when I start to get fed up of doing things, it's time mm-hmm. for a bit of a change. Because I think you do, like I say, you do your best work and you have the best interaction with clients who then will collaborate in that creative process with you when you're very much in that kind of high vibe energy. So I think that's something that's very, very important in a business. People pick up if you're just, if you're just doing it for the money. Oh my goodness, yes. And I don't, yeah, and I don't think, um, I don't think it's, that's not how you build a reputation as being a kind of go-to photographer, if that's what you're after you know, with your career. So you said it, you said it. And just a quick note to our listeners, check out episode 213. It talks about shooting your first wedding. The title of the episode is shooting your first wedding. Listen to this coaching session first, where I actually talked to a photographer who's looking to get into weddings and she wanted just some advice on what to look out for. A lot goes into weddings and you're absolutely right, Emma. If our heart is not in it, it shows through. Mm. Even in the yeah. way, and not just the work that you produce, but the way you interact with clients. Yes. I've heard horror stories from yeah. other people where they actually got into arguments with their wedding photographer on the day of mm-hmm. the wedding, which just mm-hmm. kind of spoils the whole day. And Yes, you know, it does. There are challenges there. And speaking of challenges, I do want to move over and talk about um, the unique challenges involved with animal portrait sessions, because I've heard that animals are like children, <laughs> especially during Only photography. Worse. Yes, and it takes a special skill to get them to look so darn cute and adorable and hold still for these photos. I'm looking at your the photos on your site and these canines look so happy, like they're actually smiling for the camera and it's adorable. How do you work your magic with them? Okay, so I think there's a little bit of a ninja skill in there somewhere. Um, but I think the one thing with, with animal photography and for anybody who also photographs children, this will be a very valid point to take on board is you just have to be very patient and very calm Mm. because animals and children both pick up on your, your kind of energy. If you're frustrated or, (laughs) and you know what? Sometimes I do get a bit frustrated. Don't sit and think I'm, you know, not every shoot is perfect. We know that. Sometimes you have dogs that kind of do drive me to distraction. Very rarely, but it's actually, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's usually a kind of a total disobedience problem. Um, is you've just got to be patient because dogs coming to the studio or if you're at the park doing pictures for them, they didn't get the brief of what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If they come to my studio, for instance, it's a new space. I've got dogs at home, you know, mine are tucked away when people come round, but it smells like dogs here. There's been other dogs in the studio. I've had other, I had a a little baby pig in the studio last weekend. So for the dogs that came in afterwards, they must have come in and been like, what? So I think it's just, I give them a bit of time to adjust and have a sniff and get settled. Um, And if you've got nervous dogs, it's just a case of kind of very much easing them into the shoot, getting them used to me, usually involves some bribery of some description of their favorite snack. And the one thing also is working quite efficiently. I generally get my best shots of dogs in the studio in about the first five, ten minutes of a shoot. Wow. Because that's the time that they're kind of most receptive to treats. Um, I've got some 
funny noises that I make. I've got an, an, an app on my phone. I'm also very good at making a cat noise. Um, and those things get the dogs to get their ears up and to get them to listen. But those tricks only work for so long. So it's just a case of, of working efficiently and just being able to read the dog and just see if they're comfortable or if they've had enough or if they need a break. And just kind of uh, not having too much of an agenda as well. <laughs> that helps. Well, looking at the final results, your dog portraits specifically, I mean, you make it look effortless. You really do. It's, <laughs> it's really great. And I'm sitting here scrolling through your gallery, which is going to be a little distracting during this interview because they're just so darn cute. And I, I mean, I will admit that even on Instagram, I have a habit of following animals, just animals. Just because. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's fun. Because they're fun. They're so great, aren't they? <laughs> they're so great. They don't talk politics. They don't get yeah. angry. They're just adorable. Adorable. Yeah, so they are. One of the things that I'm really curious about is how you build a thriving business in a struggling economy. I think mm -hmm. one of the most common complaints among photographers that is that it's hard to to find clients. It's hard to build the, it, the business. Yeah. And you'll hear this no matter where yeah. people live, but it's very yes. difficult when the economy that you live in is struggling. So what challenges did you face um, when building your business and how did you how did you overcome that? OK, so it was very interesting here. So. Coming from the UK where I had a business set up and I was following the in-person sales model in the UK, which I think is a very common model in the States and Australia as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to South Africa where the model was and still is to a certain extent here, a very much a shoot and burn model. Interesting. People don't expect to pay very much for a shoot and they expect to get all of the images. Okay. So... In I wander and I bring in my UK model of a shoot and no digital images and you can buy printed stuff. So I think where I was going with that, I've, I've ended up with that model. You tend to attract kind of higher end clients anyway who actually mm -hmm. want, you know, you're, you're doing a service for them by printing stuff and they value that. But it, I did have quite a few clients who didn't book with me because they couldn't get digitals. So mm -hmm. I kind of had to relax my, my, my kind of law that I'd set on that. And what I started to do was to say, well, if you spend over a certain amount, I will give you the digital files. Because I think we are in an age where people, people want them for their social media. They want them because families, you yes. know, people have got family all over the world. So, you know, one does have to listen to clients and kind of make tweaks accordingly. Yeah, it was quite it was quite an interesting learning curve with that. But I think the the doing the, the, the work for the SPCA for the animal photography kind of introduced me to a market of, of kind of quite high end people. So there are quite a few lawyers and doctors. And as soon as you start working with clients who are in a higher income bracket, it isn't so difficult to to kind of make higher sales from shoots. It's just you've kind of got to get your business into that bracket of people and in front of them so it's been a bit of a process a bit of a process in, in in doing that if that if that makes sense it definitely does and I know you mentioned earlier and correct me if I'm wrong you reached out to the SPCA mm. when you first got there and offered to shoot the calendar correct yeah so the SPCA shoot was probably a year and a half after I'd arrived here okay 
Um, I moved with a with a boyfriend um, who had quite a well paid job here, so I wasn't under pressure to go and and kind of make work happen. And I didn't have a work permit at that point. So, um, but yeah, once I started working SPCA, I reached out to. I also then started reaching out to um, other people who who I could kind of collaborate with. So mm. I was kind of targeting um, families and, and baby photography because obviously that's quite a, a big portrait photography market. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to um, um, somebody who was a doula um, and I kind of got chatting with her. So I got her to start referring clients my way as well. Nice. So I just started to build a network. And I think that's the one thing you've got to do is you've actually got to be proactive with building a network. Because like you said earlier, you can't sit around waiting for people to do a Google search and find oh. you or to stumble across you on Facebook. It just doesn't happen. You've, you've kind of got to, got to go out and take the, the bull by the horns, really. You, you said it. And, and I'm so glad that you touched on the fact that we need to do more than just putting out photos on Facebook and uh-huh. hoping that people magically appear. Because I know some fantastically, fantastically talented creatives photographers not just photographers but artists who are doing wonderful work say for fun and they put it out on social Mm -hmm. media and it's great but they're not earning a dime because they don't have clients they're thinking that just putting it out on social media will magically bring in inquiries and that's certainly not the case and no the fact that you that you collaborated you were bold enough to reach out to other photographers and collaborate with them and working with the SPCA I mean you put yourself out there that goes a long way when you're trying to be proactive yeah yeah that's it and I think with like we're going back to the struggling economy question and the economy is very interesting here but I think you'll find it's it's representative wherever you are Mm -hmm. is that there will be people who who don't have much disposable income and then there will be people who are driving Ferraris yep where kind of which wherever you are so I think also part of it is not getting sucked into the mindset of oh, the economy's not great. Because mm. I think that's where, where a lot of people come unstuck is they're worrying about um, what kind of could not occur for them rather than thinking about the possibility. Mindset is everything. and It is. You know, I've shared this on the show before, but I'm currently living in Port Huron and I've been here for a handful of years now, but it's not considered mm. a huge, super busy, you know, I guess rich city when you look at cities like New York or San Francisco there are pockets where people struggle and there are pockets where people are certainly not struggling and so you know here I had to have the mindset because when I moved here I had to rebuild my photography business from the ground up new city I also had a new focus and I just couldn't get stuck in the mindset of well this is a struggling area you know life is gonna suck like no way Port Huron is awesome it's great and I had to put myself out there build a network and actually show up in person and meet people and all that to say you can make it work anywhere there are no excuses that's it that's it it. I think there are many ways to make excuses for why your business is struggling um and I know and I use myself an example all the time because I've made every mistake in the book and I guess that's that's how we learn (laughs) you know and I've I've been someone who has made excuses in the past especially years ago when my business was struggling and I had to get past that and take it upon my shoulders, put on my big girl pants and realize that there's no getting around the work. You have to put in the work. That's it. 
That's it. You know, you've got to put the work in. And I think, I think as soon as you just start to shift that, that mindset, it becomes easier to take more kind of positive action, if you like. Because I think when we get suckered into, you know, oh, you know, the economy's down, there's no money, we spend so much time worrying about that. And then, of course, you see the results of that in your business, that client, you, you have fewer clients, you earn mm -hmm. less money. Um, and I think it's, you know, partly because you're just your focus shifts to the wrong thing. Whereas if you're in a space of possibility, um, you know, wherever you are and you think, OK, well, there's going to be some clients for me. How do I find them? How do I reach out to people? What can I be proactive and, and do? Because right. the, the more doors you can knock on, the, the more the more that will open for you. That is right. And, you know, one of the things I love about you is that you're also a business mentor to other yeah. photographers and that's one of my favorite type of people to have on the show actually because not only are you good at making your own business work but you're good at helping other creatives with their businesses as well and so I'm yeah. curious could you share about the type of business mentoring that you do as well as any common issues that you notice fellow photographers are struggling with absolutely so I, I kind of primarily I'm working with photographers at the moment so I've been helping photographers kind of get businesses set up, you know, what they need to have in place, what to put on a website, kind of giving feedback on that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing with business mentoring is being able to share my uh, long and winding experience of failure with people. <laughs> and to, <laughs> we, ought to, we, we, all know, we all know about the, the, the uh, experience of learning. <laughs> And to be able to hold people accountable, because it comes down to that taking consistent action is what you need to keep a business thriving. And I'll have people say to me, well, I haven't got any clients. And you say, okay, well, what marketing are you doing? Well, I'm posting to Facebook every day. So I'll say, mm. okay, well, that's good. How many people like your Facebook page? Oh, 200. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you kind of, well, therein lies your problem. Mm -hmm. That's not enough. And I think it's also about encouraging people. You've got to invest in a business. So if you want to use social media for marketing, that's super, but you have to throw some money at it. You have to build an audience. You have to give them content that's entertaining and informative. So you start to build a community with them. You're going to have to pay for ads. Um, you have to put the work in, like we've said. So for, for the, the mentoring is a case of kind of giving people a bit of guidance of what work do they need to do? Where do they need to shift their focus to? I think a lot of photographers, when they're struggling to get things going, tend to procrastinate a lot. Mm -hmm. That's something I see a huge amount of. Mm -hmm. And I think the process of, of working with a mentor when you're paying somebody you're going to get the work done in between sessions because it's pointless paying to then come to a session each week and say, well, I didn't have time to, um, you know, do that update or, you know, send those five emails. So, yeah, so it's kind of it's a combination of kind of being a, a sounding board, advising people and, um, and kind of whipping people into shape slightly <laughs> as well, I think. <laughs> and where can people find out more about your mentoring services? So I've got a, a website, which is mentoringforcreatives.com. So you can find out on there. And there's also a Facebook page. So it's uh, Facebook forward slash mentoring for creatives. There are lots of videos and blog posts and all sorts and free resources on there. So people can go and um, listen to me preach. <laughs> One of the cool <laughs> about things. Various topics. 
on your on mentoringforcreatives.com, I'm looking at it right now, and you mention the term starving artist. You say, are you fed oh, yeah. up of being a starving artist? And, you know, just that term gets under my skin because there's an assumption that yeah. if you're an artist, you're going to be starving. And so I love yes. that you tackle that term right on the homepage. We'll make sure yeah. to include a link in the show notes for people to check it out because you're right. You do need to yeah. invest in your business. And, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the things I didn't do for years when I first started. Yeah. And yep. I wish I had done it sooner because it makes a night mm-hmm. and day difference and you earn your investment back. That's the Absolutely. thing. It pays Absolutely. off multiple it times does. over and now, over. Now, I can tell you a tale of woe about not investing in a business. So mm. for I hired a business coach for the first time at the end of 2015. So that's mm. a good just over 10 years into my career because mm-hmm. I had got to the point where I was so good at marketing my business here that I was doing maybe between five and 10 shoots a week, mm-hmm. possibly. I just want to preface this with busy is not the same as successful. Oh. And I wasn't earning, yeah. a, you know, a flat out busy, flat out busy, wasn't earning enough money, which is ridiculous with that amount of, of shoots. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point of total burnout. Mm-hmm. And I sat and I thought, you know what, I don't want to do this like this anymore. But I don't know what else to do. I'm so stuck. I'm frightened to put my prices up because I don't want to lose my clients. And then you get into that whole spiral of fear, which just held me back. Mm-hmm. And I hired a business coach. And we literally doubled my prices. Wow. And I cannot tell you how terrifying that was because I sat for I sat for six weeks with no bookings and I can remember thinking yes this woman has killed my business off I'm done for it's all over and then I got like uh, six weeks later I got three bookings in one day at my new prices Mm. so it was kind of I did have to do a lot of the internal work to get myself there and then all of a sudden I was doing far fewer shoots and earning more money and able Mm -hmm. to offer a better service to the clients. So, of course, then they have a better experience. And then you're dealing with higher end clients because they're spending a bit more. And they then also recommend you to their friends who are of the same sort of caliber. And so it goes on and it just kind of, you know, the business has exponentially done well since then. And I wish I'd hired a coach way sooner. (laughs) Way sooner for sharing I mean for your brutal honesty I don't know why it takes that point of total burnout for so many of us I know to make a change I mean yeah and I'm with you that's how it was for me I've been totally burned out and yeah it it is it's a really sucky feeling I'm so mature yeah sucky to say the word sucky it's a horrible feeling it's terrible when you're so busy and not making enough no, you're not making it's... enough. No. And also, my work suffered. And I was mm. looking at it and I'm like, you know what? I'm producing average work here. And I'm, <sighs> I don't want to produce average work. But I don't have enough time because I've got so many shoots booked in to be able to actually kind of up my game and spend more time with clients. Because I literally have four shoots back to back on a Saturday. Oh. And I'd be driving in between and you're like, gosh, someone's late. I've got a problem because my schedule is so tightly packed. And it's, it, you know, terrible. And yeah. since kind of making my shift with my pricing and actually I also what frustrated me, not just kind of the money, because I think most of us who are creatives are not doing this for the money, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there is good money to be made. But we don't get into it for that reason. We get into it because we like creating. Exactly. And the joy of creating just totally went for me. 
And I just thought, you know, this is my thing. I've been doing this for so long. I don't want to go and do something else, but I want to kind of fall back in love with it again because I'm not enjoying it currently. So, yeah, yeah I think sometimes yeah. we do have these kind of great big, you know, big and dramatic because we're creatives. They would be dramatic. Um, <laughs> these kind of like proper wake up moments. Yeah. And the reason I kind of got into into mentoring was because I, you know, I see other photographers going through the same journey and I'd love to be able to just kind of go, do you know what, I can really help you with this before you get to the point of no return. Yeah, you're right. And it, it, it does kind of, when you hit that burnout point, it does suck all of the joy out of creating, oh, yeah. out of taking photos. Yeah. I've been there. It's, I mean, for me, yeah. it took me to the point of, of panic attacks. And yes, I can it was, imagine. It yeah. Physically, and I used to think that, by the way, people who had panic attacks before I ever had one, I thought uh -huh. if you have one, you should just suck it up. It's all in your head. Well, <laughs> yeah. then I had one and it feel for me, it felt like a literal heart attack. Like it's a yes. physical thing and mm. it's real. And I knew then I had to make a change. I mean, mm. and there's no looking back on it with all the mistakes I made. It's no small wonder. I mean, one of the first professional shoots that I did, I charged $25 an hour, an mm -hmm. hour. Mm -hmm. And the person I, the family I shot with was like, okay, well, we're going to rent you for four hours. That was the hardest yeah. hundred dollars. <laughs> yes. Not I'm to mention sure. taxes taken out of it. And you do get to that point where you're like, I wonder if I should be doing this at all. Yes. And I think sometimes yes. that point is necessary for us to really restructure our business. And for you, you know, that was doubling your pricing and, and changing yeah. how you operate. And I think that's totally yeah. necessary. I mean, for me, I had to up my pricing. It's also one of the reasons I started this podcast. I was, I was like, I need to talk to photographers who know what they're doing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and that's so yeah. but that's how we learn from, yeah. from kind of other people and also not feeling so alone. Because I think a lot of people go yeah. through this. A lot of people go through this. And also, you know, I've kind of, as I've got older, my, my focus has shifted on to the fact that I want to be creating work that kind of has an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. And one needs to have time to be able to do that. And in order to do that, you need to be charging your clients enough money right. that you're able to kind of kind of fund your your love projects, if you like. So it's been, yeah, it's been, it, it has been a, 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 an amazing journey and I say working with a with a business coach is life-changing it's always a horrendous investment <laughs> and at the time I I didn't have the money to make the investment at all at the time I had to borrow the money from my mum mm. but I just sort of said to you know I really need to do this but I definitely don't have the money sitting in my account for it so <laughs> <laughs> um you know and I've I've not looked back it has been amazing so highly recommend definitely definitely and everyone has a sweet spot Every photographer, mm. you know, the number of shoots that that they're shooting every week or every month. Everyone's mm -hmm. business may look a little bit different. For those listening yes. who prefer, maybe you prefer to have a zillion shoots scheduled back to back in a day. Maybe you thrive mm. on that. Or maybe yeah. you're on the other end of the spectrum where you don't particularly enjoy having shoots mm -hmm. every single day. That's where that's mm -hmm. my sweet spot, by the way, is finding the right yeah, yeah. clients and then not having a, yeah. a packed schedule. But all that to say, yeah. everyone needs to find their particular sweet spot and whatever works for yeah. you works for you. And absolutely. Great. Absolutely. And we're all different. Yes. And I think the one thing to mention here is that often you'll have photographers trotting around and telling everybody I'm so busy and my opinion on that would be if you're back to back packed out busy and you can't cope you're not charging enough 
And um, we mm -hmm. all have to have some downtime. Yes. Because, you know, the lesson I learned from, from, from burnout is that our businesses shouldn't be our life. There are means of doing life, but they should be the way you facilitate getting money in to be able to do life in an enjoyable way. It shouldn't be the be all and end all. You know, I hear stories of people who are up all night editing yes. and, you know, how is that healthy for you? And how can you right. be your best creative person if you're exhausted? You can't. I Just agree. saying. I agree. <laughs> Well, that's huge. And that actually brings me to the next the next topic that I'd really love to touch on. Uh, as far as maintaining our creativity while mm -hmm. running our business and making a living, because it's easy to get caught up in the day to day of running a mm -hmm. business, or maybe you're shooting the same type of, of portraits or photos all the time. How do we maintain our creativity? How do we maintain our spark while running? Yeah, our business? that's a great question. I actually think you've got to carve out time for it. You have to allow your, your creativity um, some time to be nurtured. And often that means taking a day off. You know, mm. woo, uh, that's a bit of a stretch for a lot of us, I'm sure. <laughs> How dare you say that? <laughs> day off. I know, it's like sacrilege. But, um, and I think those ideas that we all have for, oh, this would make a really cool project to go and shoot to actually make the time to brainstorm it and go and take action on those ideas. Because mm -hmm. we all have them. I know we all have them. We're creative people. Mm -hmm. And um, I can say, if I give, for example, um, I did a, a series of portraits of black rescue dogs called the Black Series, which if you rummage through my website, you'll see it. You're actually more likely to see some of the images on my Instagram page because um, they're shared a bit more frequently on there. And... It's a project I kind of came up with and I made the time to do it. I carved out the time and um, and that's a project that it was very much a kind of heart project for me. I'm, you know, I'm kind of big into rescue dogs and encouraging people to adopt. Mm -hmm. And I shared this project sort of this time last year on board Panda and it went viral worldwide. And that taught me an awful lot about the power of a creative side project and how good it can be for your career and, you know, and, and good for reputation building and for really getting your work out into the world. And if I hadn't, have, I kind of look at it and I think I'm so glad I did that because if I hadn't have made time for it, I'd have missed out on so much. So I did a, I did a TEDx talk last November about wow. this black dog series that I did. So talk about putting yourself out there, typing all these emails up, not, not really expecting to get, hey, we'd love you on the TEDx stage. <laughs> that was the most probably terrifying moment of my life, I think. <laughs> um, and it's something I'm very passionate about. It's, it's so important to really make the time for those little ideas that you have. You know, if it means that you have to kind of take one day a week where you don't take any paid shoots, and I know that's, that can be a stretch for a lot of people because especially if we're in that mindset of, oh, you know, the client might not come back. As you build your, your body of work and you build your career and your reputation, you'll have clients that will wait. Mm -hmm. And yes. I think you have to kind of start to trust that as a, as a creative person and trust in that process. You know, there's something to be said for special projects and mm -hmm. how they can fuel your creativity, give you inspiration, new ideas, new opportunities. Yep. I mean, TEDx, yep. wow. 
that's cool. Yep. <laughs> New exposure. But you're right. It, it, it takes a conscious decision to, to sit down and brainstorm what you yeah. want to do or brainstorm mm -hmm. a fun idea for the heck of it and letting go of any guilt. I think a lot of yes. us may feel guilty for yes. taking a day off or taking yes. a week off or just taking the time yeah. to do something for fun when it's not necessarily involving a client. But yes. you never know where that can lead you. And by the way, when you put those images out there, you said you went viral on board Panda. Yep. I mean, people yep. can see those images and then new opportunities come your way where it does pay yep. off down the line. But whether it. it does or it doesn't monetarily pay off, it helps mm. your, your creativity as a creative. Absolutely. And I think if I, if I look at the, the kind of creative project, so I'm pretty good now. Mm -hmm. um, it's only been in the last probably four years that I've really actually started to act on the ideas that, you know, if you did, they're often ideas that come when you're lying at the end of a yoga class, you know, mm -hmm. oh, how about this? And you go, mm, that's a good idea. But it's, but it's kind of actually making the time to write it down and go, right, I'm going to give this an hour of my time where I'm not going to answer the phone or faff with emails. Right. I'm going to just think about this and think about what steps would I need to take to, to make this project a reality and just start doing it. Because I think, you know, years can go by. <laughs> And you can neglect quickly. your creativity and quickly, absolutely. And all of a sudden you just think, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've been doing the same thing and it's like boring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more variety you can introduce, I think, in your creativity just for fun actually makes you a better photographer with your paying clients. And I think these things do all add up to allowing you to charge more and just be, be a better photographer, which I think was, was where we'd all like to go. For sure, for sure. I go so far as to schedule in time mm -hmm. where I'm not shooting and where I'm away from my computer and my yes. phone is on silent, sacrilege. Yes. And I will schedule, yeah. I'll, I just, I need time to take a walk in the park or yes. to sit on my back deck and I'll have my little trusty notebook with me. And those yeah. are when I get the best ideas, the best ideas. That's it. Yep. And I jot them down yep. and then I make a plan mm -hmm. to to act on them. And it's it's been a game changer. Absolutely. And I think just it's sometimes, the, the, you know, creativity, I kind of liken it. It's like a small child, mm -hmm. you know, and they need a bit of nurturing. And if you yell at them that now we need to be creative right now, they just kind of <laughs> shrink into a small puddle in the corner. So your creativity is a bit like that. You can't yell at it. You can't force it. You have to give it a bit of space to sit and color, if you like. And it it'll come up with with great ideas so oh, you're so right you're so right I'm such a fan of it you know it, it's been a game changer for me and you know it's, it's I'm one of the worst people you mentioned you can't yell at creativity and force it like <laughs> yeah. a small child I mean mm -hmm. I'm one of the worst if if I'm like sitting at a table with a group of people and they're like let's have a brainstorming session now about this my mind oh. for me it just goes blank I'm just yes useless in that moment but when I walk out of there and yeah. I'm stuck in traffic or taking a walk in the park, yes. I'll get like a dozen ideas and it just comes yes. in its own time. So it's about making yes. time to let those that creativity and inspiration happen. Absolutely. And always have a notebook handy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's 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 true. It's true. I don't know why it's taken me like fifteen years. I've just started doing that in the last six months. And you know what? We all have to start somewhere. So if right. you've started, because you've started now, and that's awesome. So don't beat yourself up. It's great. <laughs> Better late than never. Absolutely. So, 
it's we're coming up on the end of our interview which always makes me sad because <laughs> i feel like i could just geek out on this for hours we probably could talk for a lot longer <laughs> oh well, i'd love to have you back on the show in the future just so you know you Absolutely. have an open invitation thank you very much and i do want to make sure and ask is there a particular photography resource a tool an online course anything online that would help our listeners run a better business Okay, so I've got two. I'm a big bookworm, so I've got two book recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, you Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. <laughs> Hilariously funny and very useful book on money and mindset. I love that. And then if you want to tap into your creativity a little bit, there is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm. So those are my two recommendations of um, resources if you like books. I love it. I think those are two recommendations we've never had before. Okay, I good. Have to, I'll have to look those up. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. And my final question, but one of the most important, where can we find you online? Okay, so the websites are emmaobrien.com and mentoringforcreatives.com. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, I'm at emmaobrienphoto. And on Facebook, I am at emmaobrienphotos or and or at mentoring for creatives so you can hop on over whichever whether you want photography or, or business advice you can hop over to any of those and find me fantastic we'll make sure and include those in the show notes as well i highly encourage our listeners to check emma out because she is awesome and amazing and what you're hearing right now is my page of notes that i've taken <laughs> <laughs> a full page i almost had to flip it over to the other side that I've taken during this interview. Emma, this has been wonderful. Thank you again for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I hope it's been really useful for, for all the listeners. Thank you. If you're enjoying this podcast, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find this podcast and search rankings. We want to reach as many people as possible and help improve our photo industry. I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening.